Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Key. And this week we're looking at Season 2, Episode 10, Burying a Grudge, in which Martin learns to let bygones be bygones with his old partner on the force. In this episode, Key, Eddie becomes particularly attached to a doll, a doll that we see in a, in a later episode, I think, in Death and the Dog. Did you have an equivalent toy when you were a kid that you were kind of attached to and took everywhere? Oh, this is going to be a really dull answer. I don't think I did, to you be did. honest. You did have a special I... toy or a special blankie. I don't think so. I um, I know that I had a Fireman Sam doll at some stage. Okay, well, that's because... getting close to what I was after. <laughs> it's, I didn't really take it anywhere. And I don't really ever remember <laughs> playing with it. I just know because my mother always, like, whenever Fireman Sam gets mentioned, she goes on... Kevin used to love Fireman Sam. And <laughs> this doll is still in Fireman Sam, actually. Still at her house somewhere because she she breaks it out of parties every so often just to show people. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I asked because I, I had two. Um, I remember I had like a Woody doll from Toy Story. And then one Christmas, I got bought like a stuffed Spider-Man toy, both kind of equal size. Um, and I'm not exaggerating when I say probably for the best part of 10 years, I would play with them both for about two to three hours a day. I would just sit on the stairs or on my bedroom floor and just like make them fight, make them wrestle, act out scenes from films or games or whatever that I've been playing. And I will have to send a photo to both you and I'll put it on Twitter and stuff so listeners can see. You would not believe the condition that the Woody doll is in. It is it is hanging together by threads. Its head is almost completely off. Um, his arms are missing all the stuff in. His battery pack got ripped out a long time ago. It's it's It looks honestly like something from a crime scene, but I just look at that and I just think, that's a lot of years of love that went into that and it probably cost all of five pounds or something i absolutely love the thought of you as like an eight-year-old your mom going okay well we, do you want to do this on sunday and you're like well actually seven till ten i've got my uh got wrestling with woody so <laughs> I'm um, i used to like get all the other toys out and i'd have like a bit of a royal rumble going on i'd get my little incredible hulk out my action man everything out it was just yeah i was very easily pleased as a kid and i'd still say i am now i, I mean i think i've asked you that before would you say you're easily pleased I am, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm very easy because I, uh, I just get grateful for anything. So mm, you same. give me the smallest hell. Like, oh, thank you so much. You didn't need to do this. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely. I think it's the best way to be, especially in this kind of you know modern era when everyone's got everything and you know everything's digital. Loads of gadgets out there. The fact that I got so much enjoyment for ten years out of this crappy little Toy Story toy. I think it's, uh, it's quite beautiful. Are you ready to jump into Trivia Corner this week? Eh? Yeah, we're not tucking ourselves in this week. We're jumping in. We're jumping in. Sometimes <laughs> you just got to take a plunge. That's actually something I should have saved for maybe like look before you leap the episode where they all take exactly. the uh, Yeah, exactly. These are little <laughs> twists. They're all part of it. Um, so I've been sent in some questions from Hamish this week. And he's also got some extras from, I believe, Niall, Anna and Missy. Though I'll, I'll be able to confirm in a minute. And oh, as always, Mischief Knight, Corey has sent in his too. You read out. Okay, okay, do you want to start by reading your three out to me and then I'll read Hamish's to you? Okay, so we'll start with my first question. Okay, I'm not feeling confident this week at all. I'm going to put that out there. For some reason, this episode felt like it kind of went over my head a little bit in terms of attentiveness. I felt I struggled to focus. It was only towards the end of the episode that I felt like, I don't know, I was I agree. quite I tired, it, so maybe that's yeah, the reason. But... Until Marty and Artie get together, it's kind of a bit diffuse, but yeah, we'll get to that. Um, So question one. Mm-hmm. What is the colour of the bucket at the end of Artie's bed? Oh, God. I did not know. Oh, for a visual this week. <laughs> I did not know there was a bucket. I'm going to say <laughs> that right now. Uh, my initial impression. Okay. 
bucket, do you reckon it's like a sick bucket or is it just kind of like an emergency bucket? Is that what we're dealing with there? I'm going to be honest, I have no idea because at one stage I was like, oh, maybe it's like this medical thing. Maybe it's a certain type of pan or something like that. I'm going to look <laughs> crap, but, it could um, be a bed pan. Is it like a standard bucket shape? It? To me, it's hmm. like it's just a bucket shape that okay. I would have in the kitchen. Uh, oh, for some reason in my head, I've got three colours. I've got grey, I've got blue, and I've got orange. Um... I am going to just say because the beds, bed sheets were blue and stuff that it was blue. It is not blue. Ah. It, I believe it is yellow. Oh man. Okay, so none of my <laughs> options were even <laughs> close. Okay, it's yellow. Yeah, maybe it's like a sick bucket or something. Then I don't know. Kind of grim to think about considering how much I. Hate maybe it's for the intestines. Maybe <laughs> if they're what... going to harvest them. <laughs> man, that's bleak. <laughs> <laughs> Um, question two. Let's go. What is the cost of Maris's operation? Oh, I think I know this one. Because for 5000 extra, yes. you can get a wife in the Philippines, which is a pretty horrible line for mine. Um, I think it's $25,000. Is $25,000. That is so much money. Like, I don't know how much plastic surgery costs in general, but that seems a lot. I mean, I, think, I, I assume plastic surgery is always like, really, really expensive. But just yeah. imagine. Especially having, in the 90s, actually. Yeah, just imagine having that much money just to put aside for eyelid or yeah, whatever. Yeah, all the various things that you have done. God. Um, okay, question three. Mm -hmm. What are Maris's previous operations? She refers to, Nars refers to times that she's previously been in hospital. Oh, yes. What are the three times? Okay, um, I think I can remember two of the three. The second one, he says, is adenoids. I think the third one is force feeding. Um, is that what you're referring to, or is this something else? Yes, yeah, yeah, okay, you've yeah, got yeah. two out of three. Yeah. Um, and then the first one, probably something much... Obviously, because the joke's getting more escalating and kind of escalating in hilarity, so the first one's probably going to be something very run-of-the-mill. Maybe like a... I don't know, he always... Oh, a, a chin tuck. Oh, well, you were so close. No! Um, she had her tonsils out the a first tonsils time. out, there you go. The force feeding just conjures up such horrible... Horrible images. Um, in fact, I have something to talk about when we get to the review, which sounds bleak, but don't worry. <laughs> is that all three? That's all yeah, three of my questions. That is all yeah. three. So how did I do? I did get the colour. I got the cast, and I got two out of three. Not too two bad. Out of three, mate. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Right, let's move over to uh, Hamish's this week, if I just hop over to Facebook. So, question at numero uno from uh, Mr. Cam Winston this week. What is the first line of the episode? Oh, God. Okay. Um, so they're in KACL. They are indeed. And Roz isn't there. Frage is looking around, and I think says, "Where have you been?" Uh, we start in two minutes. That is basically spot on, Kay. Yeah, wildlife. <laughs> I think he says we're on in two minutes. I mean, who gives a who gives a rats? That is that is so close. Um, well played, well played. One out of three. Question two: What color tie is Niles wearing when Marty oh, okay. tells them what Artie did to him? There's a bit of blue in there. I know that much because man, you were straight in there. Then you weren't messing oh, yeah, about. Well, I saw it and I thought, well, oh, maybe I should go for a visual. I was going to put in a visual question this week. Mm. And um, I thought, well, oh, maybe I should go for the colour of Niles' tie. I mean, oh, there's a bit of blue in there. But then there were other things going on in the pattern. I was like, I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. So I left it. But there is a bit of blue. I have just got blue written down. So well played, Guy. Honestly, what a storming start. Two out of three. Let's see if you can bring it home. What is the similarity between Roz and Martin in this episode? Keeping in mind, we only see Roz in the first scene. So what links them in this episode? Links them? Um, Quite an interesting... And I'll give you a clue in a minute. We'll see how you get on first. It needs some lateral thinking. Some lateral right. thinking to quote Ben Shepard on Tipping Point. <laughs> 
Um, okay, let me just think. So I think she makes a pop about Maris needing a, not needing a facelift or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's on about how she wants to get with Eli, who's 19 and he's legal. Eli. <laughs> um, okay, then I I'm think another thing to do with the map as well. Think visual. Oh no. Um, <laughs> that. Oh no. <laughs> oh god. You saw that hands mole man. No, that's too big. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest one you got? <laughs> no, that's too big. <laughs> okay, I'm looking for something visual that links the two. I have no idea. Um, is it a color? Uh, it's linked to color. Yeah. What do you mean it's linked to color? <laughs> right, color, color alone is a pretty is a pretty uh, ambiguous link. So <laughs> there's something a little bit more specific here. A, a color jacket. They're both wearing the same color jacket. Very close. They're both wearing red checkered pieces of clothing. Ross's skirt and Martin's shirt are both red check patterns. I thought maybe they were both wearing something red, but I was like, oh, what, was Ross Rod, wearing a red shirt? I don't remember. Mm, and there you go. It was on the oh. lower half. Um, well, well played, Hamish. There, cracking little visual one. I will ask you, Anna, Niles, and Mrs., and then you can uh, bring things to a close with Mischief Nine. So, Anna's question: What did Niles do to duplicate the home environment as closely as possible for Maris when she was in hospital? I love this. He he put, I think, a revolver under her pillow. He did, and slept across the hall, or got a room <laughs> across the hall. Can you remember what was like specific about the revolver? It always oh. makes me laugh. He, he did say, did he? Was it something like you say, handheld revolver or? Pearl handled, pearl handled. Oh, handle. One of those classic kind of revolvers. It's got like that really lovely white handle. Oh. Just very kind of garish and very Maris, I think. Okay, question two from Niall Marsh. Just before, also known as Niall's Crane, as Hamish has called him, just before Martin tells them about the rumor that was spread about him, he unfolds the newspaper. What ad was on the newspaper? Oh God, that is was, so good and so I hard. Was, I was too busy writing down the different <laughs> suggestions for rumors that they added out in the case that came up. That would have been so good, actually. Um, is it a completely random ad? Nothing linked it's to this? It's completely random. If you got this, okay, I, I think I'd have to stop the podcast for good. <laughs> okay, the podcast is over. It's I over. Guess this... <laughs> There's a lot uh, going on. Just think, what brands were big in the 90s? Um, oh, I don't even know if this is a brand. <laughs> oh, God. I've never heard of um, them. don't know why. I've just got Millhouse's voice going, remember Pogs? They're back. <laughs> in Alpha. In Alpha. I'm going to say an Alf Pog. <laughs> it was Silo, your save even more manufacturer direct discount. That's what it says on the what? Order a Silo? I don't know what. <laughs> no. I don't know whether Silo is a company or whether it literally refers to the giant metal structures. <laughs> but there you go. Certainly no need for one of them in 1901. Elliot Bay Towers. Third question from Missy. Um, also known as Mixmaster Missy, as Hamish has called her. What four specific things does Niall say Maris is having done in the hospital? This is good. Oh, okay. I did try and make a note of these. Mm -hmm. Okay. Chin? Yes. Lips? Yes. Cheeks? Yes. Eyelid? There it is. Four yes. out of four. Okay, well played. I mean, other than Niles' kind of tantalizingly difficult ad question, you did very, very good across the, uh, the six questions there. So well played. Do you want to uh, bring it home with MKs? Yeah, so uh, Mischief Knight, I think we've got three questions. <clears throat> so question one. Oh, God, I'm scared. At the end of the scene, how many aces has Daphne found 
in her game of solitaire. Oh, wow. I feel entirely to blame for all the visual uh, questions we that, get now. That's a question that I'm not even mad at that I don't think I'm going to get because it's the kind of question I love like to be asked or to, to think of. Um, oh, I, I, I did note she was playing solitaire. so I didn't even note it. I, I noted that because so I, I, I quite like just solitaire in general. I don't play it very often, but there's something quite nice about it. So I did notice she was playing it. Oh, I, I think it's going to be one or two. Oh, no, no, no. Ace is, is the is the top four pile, isn't it? So if there was four piles, she's found all four. I think to make it look like solitaire, they're going to have had to have had all four out. So I'm going to say four. It's interesting. You thought it was one or two. Then you thought four. It was three. Ah, no. <laughs> Corey, what are you doing to me, man? Damn. Great question. Question two. Mm -hmm. Who was there a framed photo of on the end table behind Frasier in the hospital waiting room when he first discusses Artie with Niles. Oh. Hint, it was a real-world person. I had a feeling it would be a real-world person, but I've got no idea. I feel like it's going to be someone, maybe like a, a, a singer or some kind of TV post or personality, maybe because they visited the hospital. That's maybe like a benefactor. Want me to give you a clue? Yeah, give me a clue. Um, it could be as vague I, as you want. I also noticed something on the wall in the waiting room, and it was a mm. crucifix. Right. Am I to quickly draw the dots there? Um, yes, quickly draw the dots. It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, no! No! <laughs> no! It was Pope John Paul II. Oh, man. Why wouldn't it be Jesus? <laughs> No one, no one connects the dots to the, the cross more than more than JC. Damn. Yeah, but I thought he's a Catholic symbol, a Pope. You'd, you'd get that. Oh, man. <laughs> Good question, but man, I was way off. I was way off. According to the last title screen, yep. what kind of joke does this episode lack? Oh, oh, uh, a doctor, doctor joke. No, and oh. you sound so weirdly confident. As I you did said because that. it suddenly came out of nowhere. I think you know, shit, they're in a hospital. It's gotta be. Oh. It was a bedpan joke. Oh, and I've already made a bedpan joke when I was ruminating over your bucket question. So damn, yeah. we've kind of made up for it there. But excellent questions there. I mean, how, did I get one out of three there, or did I? I didn't get. No, I got none. Did I get none? Uh, in, in mystery of night section, you got none. Uh, so you got two out of six. What a powerful loss. <laughs> you did very well, actually, Key, as is customary. So. It's always that thing when you get the first couple of questions and you feel on top of the world and then you realise gravity is about to hit you. It really <laughs> does. It hits like a mother. <laughs> but thank you, everyone that sent in questions this week. Some really, really good ones there. So let's hop into the review this week, Key. You want a little firm favourite of yours on the animation after last week's comments? What was the uh, title animation? Was it a red light? It was, which you, yes. you kind of expressly said you don't like. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I could have said you found it a bit boring compared to the fireworks, and I, I kind of, you know, that's fair. It's true. That's fair. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. It's not quite, <laughs> not quite a fireworks in the sky. So this is weird in KCL now. We have like the moment where Roz, um, you know, is late and she kind of start talking about Marius and all the errands Roz has been doing for Frasier, etc., etc., and Eli. But Roz refers to Marius as Frasier's sister-in-law, which was really jarring to me because I can't remember many instances, if if any, beyond this, where Marius is explicitly referred to as his sister-in-law. Um, I don't know if this maybe you know to just chime with you when you heard it you think hang on who is that and then you realize it was maris i don't know what now that you say it, i suppose we don't ever hear her often referred to by her relationship to frazier it's quite intimate isn't it to hear sister-in-law rather than maris like it, it it suggests a certain level of kind of you know a relationship there that perhaps isn't ever, obviously is never explored because frazier never ever has a conversation with maris 
in the whole run of the show. So it's weird. Yeah, I think that um, I think it's probably because obviously the only people who ever really refer to Maris, the main cast, because of the fact that um, no one else gets the opportunity really to meet her and therefore to speak about her. Mm, um, yeah, and I, I think it'd be quite weird if they referred to her as your sister-in-law to to Frasier, which that would be make. I, I suppose that Roz is really the only person who can get away with it in terms, without looking a bit weird yeah no I, um, I completely agree on that front actually maybe possibly daphne in some in some ways but yeah it's the fact that it's not used very often is probably telling because maris is so funny and, and interesting on her own that we kind of all she has is her name so yeah it, and that's why they rely on it i think as well i think because sister-in-law makes her seem I mean, it's warmer to me it seems like a family member and mm. i think they're trying to they don't want to do that because they want her to be oddity that they don't really have a warm or close relationship with so i think maybe that's maybe a reason why they they steered clear of referring to her like that maybe yeah definitely i think that's spot on i think the coldness they don't want any warmth from her and sister-in-law definitely conveys um some warmth i mean speaking of warmth the three things that maris apparently needs is a little sun some exercise and a personality very cutting from fraser here especially the fact we never get to know maris we can't like be on her side in this and kind of you know rebuke fraser we have to take his word for it that she has no personality but in some of the things niles re relates her the story she's been up to she's not entirely devoid of personality she just dab at her watercolors you know you've got to have some personality to paint so you know maybe maris is is sold a little short here we learn that roz has been coveting eli the 19 year old um intern in the xerox room or where he's interning in ksl i think Roz's line that's legal is hilarious but also it's so close to like the other day the other week when fraser was like dying to do the teenage miss seattle pageant it's just like there's some another real horny moment in fraser <laughs> yeah, and it, it's quite weird as well. You get this uh, when Frasier, she says, oh, well, it's okay for older men to date young women, but not the other way around. And you get Frasier's like, little smile. He goes, I don't make the rules. I just enjoy them. I love that line. I want to start using that more often. Not about um, dating underage people, but about, you know, anything I thought else. you meant that's legal. Like, hey, no, that's illegal. Um, no, okay, not that me. line. It's the, I don't make the rules, Raz. I just enjoy them. <laughs> Also, I love the fact that we get to hear Frasier say, well, cuckoo could you? Because I, I use that phrase quite a lot. No way, because I, I've Go. made a note of this. It's another, for the second week running, Simon and Garfunkel reference. Yeah. And... So, there you go. Mrs. Have you seen The Graduate that Mrs. Robinson is from? I have not, and I feel like I should have. I've, Am I right in thinking? I've not seen it either, so don't forget. I, I often get The Graduate mixed up with the other one with... Um... <clears throat> no, I've not seen either of them, so that's <laughs> that's why. But um, the one where they play, like, you, he lifts me up where I belong or something like that, and he's in the, the, the uniform, and he carries her out at the end of the film. Oh, it's that's not off is it officer and a gentleman? gentleman yeah officer and a gentleman richard yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I often get that mixed up with the graduate because as i said i've never seen either of them so yeah neither have i but the graduate's actually meant to be really good and i love that song and i also think the lemon lemon heads did a cover of mrs robinson that was using american pie which is like a pop punk version of it and it's, it's actually really good so yeah cuckoo kachu mrs robinson um fraser's line no i've been eating out lately <laughs> kind of is this about because it Roz says she wants to eat eli or something i can't remember what that line's in reference to oh, i don't even remember this line <laughs> no, like, no i've been eating out lately the way he says it um i can't specifically remember the context this is the problem and i put my bullet points down and don't uh oh yeah yeah she says she just wants to bite him all over and he says 
oh no, I've been eating out like this. Oh yeah, I see him it's a play on that and that he doesn't want to... He doesn't want to turn to cannibalism. <laughs> sure. He doesn't want to eat a, like, a good a good rule of thumb, I think, to live your life by. So I can't remember the name of the caller here. I've not made a note of it, but she's calling from her car phone. Again, oh, Linda. Linda, are we to assume she is traveling and, and using the car phone or is she stationary? I mean, what's I, the I assume that they're, they're in the car and they're just driving down. Is it Cherokee and 14th, I think? Cherokee like and 14th. And, um, yeah, she's just she's had a call on the while driving and having a great time of it. Because this is interesting, actually, because um, Corey in his notes, which we'll get to in Listener Mail, I don't want to plagiarise him completely, but he's made this point before me. Um, Frazier isn't the most confident driver in the world. And, as Corey will point out later, the, the, the statement whether he's been in Seattle for half of his life is dubious um, and we'll get to why that's dubious later so would he be this adept at giving directions out to someone in seattle i don't fraser does not strike me as someone who knows his, he doesn't have street smarts and like i don't think he's good with directions so i don't know this 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 moment kind of stuck out to me a little bit that fraser would be so kind of you know brazen about giving directions out live on air i don't know in fairness doesn't he doesn't actually give her proper directions does he i he's, think he's gonna try he i think he's cut off he no rust i don't need a map um, yeah. So maybe he's going to um, try. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe the joke is that he's clearly not going to be able to deliver on that problem. Yeah, I think they're just comparing him to Linda's husband. In the, he can't admit that he doesn't know, um, but at the same time, he has no idea. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I think I think that's probably better. Actually, you probably you probably once again kind of got to the the root of the joke that I have completely <laughs> missed. <laughs> What's really interesting, I didn't realize this when I was. I only just realized it now. Um, Linda and Walter. So Walter is her husband, you know, the voiceovers. Yes. Um, do you know who who voiced them? Oh, is it like a is it a famous Hollywood duo or something? They are a famous Hollywood duo, but I don't think I certainly didn't know them. Uh, it's only actually reading now that I realised just how big they were. Evidently, they were huge. Mm, um, I don't know. They why. were more behind the scenes, huge. Oh. Oh. I don't know. I think you're going to have to... Or if you've got, is there any way you can give me a clue or is this the kind of one that you're going to just have to tell me? I think I might have to tell you because you I, I, if you if you know it, I'll be really, really impressed. I've got some inklings um, that you're saying behind the scenes to shut them all to hell. So you just so say... Linda is voiced by mm-hmm. uh, Betty Comden. Mm-hmm. Any idea who that is? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea either. So uh, Linda is Betty Comden. And Adolf Green is her husband in the voiceovers. Wow. I mean, bold first name choice for his parents. <laughs> very bold. In fairness, judging by um, Betty Comden's name, she was born in 1917. So they're uh, sufficiently okay, they old. Adolf yeah. a lot. Adolf was born 1914. So <laughs> they did go. predate Second World War. <laughs> um, but they were, um, they were a comedy duo, musical duo, Comden and Green. Mm. And they were known as the, the longest running creative partnership in theatre history. Jesus. Six, six decades, and um, they wrote Singing in the Rain. Wow. Um, they also wrote the screenplays for Good News and the Barclays of Broadway, which Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers were in. Um, mm. They adapted On the Town, which Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly were in. Oh, I've always wanted to watch that. Oh, it's an amazing film. I yeah, really, really I like it. I really like that. Um, but it seems like, yeah, they were absolutely huge in coming up with many of 
great big musicals of the 1960s and things like that so good catch very good catch so betty comden and what was the name of the dude sorry adolf green adolf green. how could i forget <laughs> <laughs> but yeah great great little bit of research there okay i mean i've got another it's not related to that at all but it's kind of a little side reference to something I, i'm reading at the moment i mentioned last week them reading in cold blood by truman capote a really famous american book about um a really horrific crime like a, a home invasion a murder of four people in a kansas town um but there's reference in this uh, to the two that got caught and were convicted and that did it and then were ultimately hanged um one of them like does like a starving um starvation protest and he his he is force fed at one point in the book and it's not it doesn't go into graphic detail but it's always uncomfortable to read that and i know you and i studied the same history at school you know we learned about the suffragettes and stuff being force fed in prisons and things like that so it, yeah force feeding although like niles makes a joke out of it here it is kind of grim the history of it is really grim you know it, it's literally a case of sticking a cone down someone's mouth sometimes and it's very uncomfortable so this joke's funny but also i'm like man it's pretty horrific as well but the reference is yeah, later and... to like a nutra sweet drip <laughs> like that no you can't gain weight from a glucose drip maris um you know though, if it's force feeding in that way it's slightly less invasive but yeah i think the, the history of force feeding historically and politically is is pretty grim as you could well imagine <laughs> yeah and as you said like for me when he said it the first thing that came to my mind was when we were in history i think I don't know if we were shown, I don't know if it had been in the paper back in, you know, back in the day. I just have a vision of a woman in a chair from like the suffragettes time. And I'm not, I said, I'm not sure if I saw it. I don't know if, if my teacher showed it to us or something, but that was the very first thing that came to mind for me. So it was a bit. Exactly me as well. Yeah. A bit I think, strange. I think it was on like a piece of like propaganda actually that was like handed out. That could have, that could yeah. have been it actually. I think yeah. It's quite a famous piece of artwork. So you could probably find that um, listeners on, on Google Images or something. A bit of a pedantic point here, but this is ironic because Frazier is being pedantic. He corrects Martin by saying, it's not vanity, Dad. It's insecurity. Are they just not exactly the same thing? If someone is vain, that is because of an insecurity, as far as I'm concerned. People who are people who are obsessed with their appearance, it's normally because of some kind of insecurity, overcompensation, etc. Do you just not think those two are basically synonymous, psychologically speaking? Yeah, possibly, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would say vain, and this could be completely wrong, I would say vain is when you're very proud of how you look. Mm-hmm. And you're just like standing there going, oh, don't I look great? Yeah. Whereas maybe insecurity in this context is wanting to improve your appearance so you can say that because you're worried you don't look like that, maybe? Yeah, no, I de I de you're definitely right. I think there's definitely a spectrum of it, maybe. Um, I just think not all people who are insecure are vain, but I think maybe all people that are vain, it's got to yeah, stem I, from to some, some level insecurity. I think probably. Yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's a weird one. It's just the way, the way Frazier says it with such confidence and it's just accepted by everyone in the room. Kind of jarred me a bit because I'm just like, you know, it's a bit it's a bit of a classic example of Frazier kind of thinking he's right. But I, I, I'd mm. love to see what listeners think. But I mean, it's okay to take pride in your appearance. I think most people do that. But kind of, yeah, there's that... But vanity is not a word you would readily ascribe to everyone in your life. There's probably a few people you think, oh yeah, they're pretty vain. And then you've got to think, you know, maybe they're maybe they're not entirely happy or they're compensating for something. I don't know. Um, it's interesting because I knew someone once and they were quite obsessed with their appearance. Mm -hmm. um, and really, really sadly, really, they told me once well, they said, oh, but I've not really got anything else going for me. So oh wow, that's really that's, sad. That's why I'm sad. I was like, oh my god, don't say that. That's yeah, yeah. prime um, example. I think, but I mean, that's probably the case for quite a few people. And I mean, I'm not belittling them by any stretch of the imagination you know if, if people are like that then it's maybe it's like fraser saying some psychological thing um that obviously needs medical treatment and not just me 
pontificating my stupid opinions, but yeah, Will and I both agree. All of our listeners are amazing and look great. Yeah, like, you all look clear so good. <laughs> None and you, of you also all have a lot of other things going on in your life as well. It's not just your luck. You're all amazing people. <laughs> <laughs> so let's be clear on your that. talents. Share your talents <laughs> with us. We have this great moment where Nars is describing Daphne while she's playing solitaire. The particular emphasis of voluptuous contours of a goddess, <laughs> and then just got to turn yeah. like that. I'm sorry, I forgot what point I was making. The, the really, really kind of aggressive laugh track after he says that line, which I just think I think it warrants it. I think it's pretty funny, but this is kind of undercut for me in this scene. I want to want to hear your take on this, Kate. I God. think Martin's line about the Philippines wife is funny, but also is this a bit of a is this more of a dated joke, would we say? Because part of me thinks, oh, that's funny. And also part of me thinks it's just really bleak and sad that, like, that is a sad reality of, like, you know, a lot of people's lives that they go buying these wives online or however it works. And, I, yeah, I, speaking of kind of superficiality and securities, there's got to be plenty of it going on in those transactions. So, yeah, the, the idea of buying a wife is super bleak to me. Yeah, and I think, I feel that there was a time when we were young when this was like, it was talked about as a thing more often. Yeah, it was like, it was like almost like, yeah. Lord like of Rides sort of thing. Quicksand, when you're a kid, you're terrified of quicksand. Everyone talks about quicksand. You never, ever experience it when you're older. I feel like this is something you heard all the time as a kid, as you say. But yeah, you don't really ever hear first-hand experience of it, do you? Quicksand was one of those problems. I tell you, when I was a kid, I thought that was going to be a much bigger issue in my life than it has been so far. That and the Bermuda Triangle, I thought that would be a huge problem for me. Every time I'm in a plane, man, I'm like, man, maybe it's moved. Maybe the triangle's underneath me right now. Um, but no, I think there's a couple of um, a little bit awkward moments from Martin. Like, I think this line for me is a bit uncomfortable. It's a bit, uh, mm. I yeah, but I think it has dated a bit. Um, sure. Also, I'm not sure about him and Eddie with the doll. Um, mm. Just just because. Now, I don't, I don't have too much of an issue with it really. But I'm very aware that Friends came in for quite a bit of criticism fairly recently from the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's an episode where Ross is uncomfortable that his son is playing with the doll. Yes. Um, which that. And this draws parallels with that for me, because I mean, he even says to Eddie, we'll get you a G.I. Joe instead. Yeah, which is just very... I mean, I guess Martin's of that generation, so we can kind of stomach it a little bit more. I, even, I It's weird you say that about Friends, actually. I, I haven't seen this kind of discourse flare up, but it makes perfect sense. But I remember watching that episode and thinking, Ross, Ross is an idiot at this point. Like, I wasn't on Ross's side thinking, oh, Ben shouldn't be playing with that toy. I watched that episode, and I think you're meant to think critically of Ross, that, man, Ross is very insecure. Um, which, yeah. you know, Ross... For the first five, six seasons of Friends, Ross is absolutely insufferable. Like he's a terrible person, and he he, he gets much better as the show comes to its end. In 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 some respects, not in all. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting that come up, and I think it's a very good comparison. I think Martin's more palatable here. He wouldn't want, and plus yeah. Eddie is a and dog, which yeah, makes that's, it even that's more the stupid. reason. <laughs> For me, I just I, I find it funny just because the fact Eddie's a, a dog. dog. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. He has no concept over yeah. what is gendered. What even is a toy. Like a stick and a doll to him at the same. The idea of Martin standing there with a, a GI Joe going, "Come on, Eddie, do you want the GI Joe?" <laughs> it's funny, man. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Um, it's a, it's a it's a funny one. It's it's an interesting moment, I think, between Martin and Eddie uh, to, to kind of 
pick apart. Uh, there's a great line here when they're remembering, uh, is it they're remembering Artie and going around to Artie's for his weenie roasts or something? I mean, for starters, what the hell is a weenie roast? Um, is it a barbecue? Like, is it, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought like hot dogs. And just stuff. hot dogs barbecue, basically. A, hot, just... a barbecue with only sausages on it. Um, Limit, a very limited barbecue. <laughs> a very limited selection. And then it's like uh, Frasier says to Nas, I'm sure he remembers you asking for a salad and these swats. <laughs> just the idea of Niles being about eight or nine a barbecue and just asking for that is just that some of these jokes about how pretentious they were as kids are the funniest jokes between the two of them for me like i i never tire of hearing these kind of gags so i absolutely love that um i love that line um, um so also we we get a, a sneak peek at some of the cosmetic surgery that has been going on at the <laughs> sisters of mercy we see mrs patterson <laughs> we do mrs patterson another reference another patterson in the uh, Fraser universe that's very true yeah um or possibly formerly the formerly mr patterson yes um, do you possibly. think there's maybe a reference to to phil patterson there is that just a just have you recycled the surname or is there a bit of an in joke happening there possibly maybe you never know no, um, maybe the joke is that phil patterson was such a you know in Frasier's view, not ours, a bit of a crackpot that, you know, maybe he's gone undercover and, you know, he's fully changed his identity to go and live in California. Who knows? Maybe he feels that under, as as uh, good old Phil Patterson, he's, he can't do it in politics anymore. Exactly. Philippa Patterson. Philippa Patterson <laughs> is the sane choice. So <laughs> there you go. One of my favorite lines in this episode when they're at the hospital now is is Martin trying to offload his meatloaf to Niles. And I, I want to ask you, Key, in a minute, have you ever had meatloaf? But before I do that, the line. Hey, you guys should really try the cafeteria here. They got a new chef. He's from Yemen. <laughs> so many of the great ones are. <laughs> Such an amazing delivery from Kelsey. I think him and Niles in this in this particular scene actually is really good. But yeah, have you ever had meatloaf, Key? It's not have... really a UK thing, is it? It's not. No, I, I think of it very much as an American food that doesn't seem to have really made the transition over here, which is quite strange because everything else does. It's massive but... in America as well. It's a bit like us having, I don't know, we have spag bol or lasagna or you know cottage pie like, one day a us week. Two of those are famously Italian foods. Yeah, I know, but I mean, we <laughs> the British have ruined them. We have them every all the time. Yeah, all the um... great British foods like um, pizza, <laughs> Chinese, Indian. You know, the great foods. <laughs> I did not mean to appropriate Italian. Um, I think I think most British families and households we have the same rotor of meals. Like I, I remember seeing a tweet once from from like a, just a typical kind of very basic account, very basic opinion that was Spagbol is so uh, underrated. And it got like a hundred thousand likes. I was like, underrated by who? We have it basically every week for the rest of our lives until we die. I mean, who is underrating Spagpol? Um, talking of underrated, mm. um, this is a very much tangent, but it's a short one. Um, Please go. I on. saw a tweet of yours a, a, couple, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Maybe one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen on Twitter. Oh, and thanks, man. <laughs> genuinely, it's hilarious. I, I um, I took a screenshot and showed it to my mum. It was that funny. No, so. was it the Corinthians one? <laughs> It was the Corinthians. Yeah, one, that, yeah, that got a thousand likes. Did you see that? Yeah, and it's it's still underrated. That should have been a, closer to a million. It was Thank amazing. Thank you it so much. I did. Part point. of me, I've only ever had one other tweet that got over a thousand likes, and that was actually about a Bjorn Engels chant for Villa. Do you remember that when we made oh, was the, the, the Loving, Loving Angels? 
yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. that. Yeah. Um, obviously, listeners won't have a clue what that's about, so let's move on <laughs> from that. Um, but yeah, this tweet, a thousand likes, and part of me does think, what does it take to like get the snowball so it goes flying up the twenty thousand, the fifty thousand? Um, but yeah, I was, I don't know how it happened, but I was very proud of that joke. Um, it was a very niche joke, and it was amazing. very niche. And someone, what, someone I went to uni with commented, "Your tweets are so niche." This is when it had five likes. And I made a joke to them, like, yeah, sorry, you know, sorry you can't handle this. And then, boom, about 10 hours later, it had a 1,000 likes, and I just felt very vindicated. Should, um, should we explain to listeners what the tweet was? <laughs> yes, that would be a good idea. Um, it's going to sound terrible, me explaining it in person, so I'll have to send it on, uh, on on Reddit. Essentially, there was a picture going round of the Labour leader in the in the UK, Keir Starmer, looking exasperated in Parliament, just looking really pe- peed off. And I basically made a joke that the facial expression was the Corinthian every time they pick up a letter in the mail and read that it's from St. Paul. The joke being, me and Key went to Mass a lot as a kid, as I'm sure a lot of listeners did or do, and a reading from St. Paul to the Corinthians used to basically come up every, every match. week. The dude just never stopped writing letters <laughs> to those people. Uh, so uh, that was essentially the, the butt of the joke. Um, but yeah, I was pretty pleased with that, so thank you for singing that out, Key. Meatloaf. Um, yes, I- Meatloaf, I, I, I like... Um, the music. Yeah, never tried the food. Never tried the food. I've got it on Google Images. Not to completely offend all the Americans listening, it looks a little bit rank. <laughs> I won't lie, um, <laughs> but I'm sure. It, I'm sure it's probably quite nice. They, I mean, English yeah. food looks famously terrible, so I've got no qualms saying that. I'm assuming it's not meatloaf that I'm thinking of, but I read. I remember reading a couple of years ago that in American prisons they gave them one meal a day, and it didn't taste of anything, but it had 2,000 calories in it, so you got your calorie intake, but it tasted horrible. And one meal a day was all you got. That's that. Um, and there were big arguments at the time as to whether it was a breach of human rights. That is um, so grim. I've never even heard about that. I remember that being very similar, or certainly similar looking to meatloaf. I'm assuming it's not meatloaf because of the popularity of it. Um, but that's what i think of when i hear meatloaf now uh, i think well i think i think the music and then i think american prison systems <laughs> then <laughs> there's, actually also, meatloaf. there's also and i'm not gonna go on a tangent here don't worry this will be 30 seconds there's a hilarious moment in the film the wedding crashes or is it just called wedding crashes um where vince no, owen wilson's character goes around to see will ferrell's character who's this like famous pickup artist he sleeps with loads of women but he still lives with his mom and there's a bit where he's like speaking to owen wilson and he's like being all cool and all about his pickups and stuff he's trying to get his mom to bring out some meatloaf for them to eat and he just every time he's talking he's like yeah man i slept with like three girls last week then he'll just turn to the door and go ma the meatloaf <laughs> and just scream the meatloaf is this your place no 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 i live with my mom oh. yeah you hungry hey ma can we get some meatloaf chance i think i'm okay i had a bite right before i came over thank you just living the dream i love that you know what i will have some meatloaf let's have some meatloaf you want some I need to go. Hey, mom! The meatloaf! We want it now! The meatloaf! What's she doing? I never know what she's doing back there. It is. You can find it on YouTube. It's got millions of views, but that's what I think of when I when I hear meatloaf. Just Will Phil shouting, "Ma, the meatloaf!" Okay, we're okay. back to the scene. Back um, to the scene. Take, I also, pick up where we left off. Okay, I do really love uh, Martin's line when Fraser's saying he said you wouldn't have the guts to go see him. Just the way he comes back with, "I've got twice the guts he has," and after his surgery tomorrow, I'll have four times the guts. <laughs> I completely forgot that line was in this show. I don't even remember that line. That's so good. Um, I mean, speaking of, I've picked up my Zinger of this week, which is good job you didn't get hit in the butt. It could have caused brain damage from Artie yes. to Martin. That is definitely my Zinger of the week, which we haven't done one of those for a while. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I like the dynamic between Fraser and Ars in the waiting room. That, I think that was quite siblingy and, and nice. But I think the real meat of this episode, the real meatloaf of this episode, is um, <laughs> is Artie and Martin just kind of they're they're kind of jabbing one another and kind of their little barbs, and then the slow warmth of them kind of reconciling. I just think that's when this episode kind of comes into its own. I think. But I mean, obviously, I when they the initial you... meeting is pretty violent and aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I think the um, the relationship between Marty and Artie. Martin is um, what makes this whole episode. Everything else is filler. And it's done very well, actually. I think the whole marriage side angle is played for laughs. And then Marty and Artie is played for emotional connection. I think it's actually really... I mean, I'm jumping to the end of it, so I'm not going to go into it much, but it's a nice ending. Let's just put it like that and, uh, and get no, there I completely a little agree. bit. I completely agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we need this kind of discord and tension between the two of them early doors to set up the rest of the episode. After their kind of initial meeting, we're back in the apartment, which is when we have the amazing line about Maris asking if there's a Nutrisweet drip because she doesn't want a glucose IV. Niles calls her puppy toes. Um, he's like, good night, puppy toes. I don't ever recall hearing this as a term of endearment. Um, I'm not specifically sure what it means. Like, oh, they're cute. Or, I mean, could you ever imagine calling your significant other puppy toes? Okay. Um, would, it, would it be met with, would it have a good reception if you if you called Shan puppy toes? I don't think it would. No. Shannon doesn't like the, the nicknames I call her at the best of times because I... Can you I share will, some with us? <laughs> I, I don't know. I go through the spectrum I, I'm, <laughs> like, it depends if it might just be sweeter you might be but then it also gets quite weird and it'll be like oh hey an obscure reference to something in yeah, the Simpsons <laughs> pr- pretty much yeah it is just very very random TV references while she looks at me going what, what are you on about and I'm like you I'd, should know this by now okay I, need to work I'd, I'd, I personally think you should start calling a meatloaf and just see what happens <laughs> I, mean, I might try it to be yeah, honest you know because one you might be just saying she's got a great voice you might be saying she's you know a staple delicious diet of the american you know nation you know there's a lot of layers to meatloaf so try it out i think shannon has a different idea thought process about meatloaf because um we have obviously we're living in the flat it's quite thin walls so we can hear Mm. everything that happens in the flat next to us Mm -hmm. Uh, and one saturday they were um into us shall we say oh rather loudly wow (laughs) and i was in a bad mood so i decided to stand by the wall i'm pretty sure their bedroom is the other side of. Did you did you do a Frasier? Um, I um I just belted out, spat out of hell as loudly as I could, for <laughs> ten minutes, wow. um, to the stage where I couldn't speak for three days afterwards because I strained my voice. <laughs> um, did it, so did you it say down at all? I'd like to think I broke ruined his rhythm a little bit, if nothing else. I, uh, I may <laughs> not have stopped them, but I, I stopped the pleasure, which is a moral wow. victory. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's what Shan probably thinks of if you mention meatloaf, is, is that moment. Man, so in, in many ways, it's like a kind of an aphrodisiac as well as an anti-aphrodisiac. Um, <laughs> I think anti is probably the key It calls to mind the sounds of pleasure and the sounds of you singing meatloaf together. <laughs> they, they coexist in her brain. You strike me, Key, as someone who has seen Brian's song that you probably haven't. This really seems like the kind of film I can I can see you watching on a, on a Sunday afternoon. How, have you, were you familiar familiar with Brian's song. I was uh, actually going to ask you what is Brian's song. I don't So I don't it's know a it. really famous, I guess they're called like, um, I saw a term for it, like a guy cry movie, a bit like a chick flip. They're, they're, men like them and it makes men cry. Like it's a stupid like, you know, thing from the 70s. Yeah, but I cry at Lord of the Rings. I don't give a shit what the film is. I'll cry if I need to cry. But basically... reached the stage of my life. Now, I never used to cry at films and now I cry about everything. Yeah, it's I, good, man. I, I yeah. 
um, I'm still I, the other way. I barely cry, but I wish I did more. I, up to the age of 20, never cried. Now, I see, like, Lion King. I'm like, oh, but he was such a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. I haven't cried in years, actually. And I, I'm kind of, I need something. I think sometimes you just need a good cry, a good release. I'm telling but, you, once you start, mate, you won't be able to stop. And that's the problem. <laughs> I think what I need to do is put Brian's song on. It's basically a sports film about a, a New York Yankees. Oh, no, a Chicago, Chicago Bears, Chicago Cubs. I think one of the teams and James Kahn and Billy D. Williams play like two lifelong friends. But James Kahn's character gets diagnosed with leukemia and dies at the age of 26. I think it's think it's based on a true story, but could not be. So don't take my word for that. Um, but yeah, apparently quite a famous um, tearjerker in, in the US. Not really one that's kind of made it over here too much, um, but meant to be really good. So if I fancy a good cry, I might, might do that. Speaking of Nas, no, Martin's nickname, Boohoo Crane because of the rumor that he cried at Brian's song. Not the most original nickname. I think they think they could have done a lot better than this. Um, it, it reminds me, basically a lot of nicknames are dreadful. Mm. Life, but the amount of people, uh, like footballers are particularly bad for it. There was, um, oh, it's always like Jonesy and Blosser. Yeah, Danny, and... there's a footballer called Danny Ings and uh, he was asked, do you have any nicknames? Like, well, uh, everyone calls me Ingsy. Ingsy. Um, my dad was an Ingsy. My uncle was an Ingsy. Now I'm an Ingsy. Like, That's not a good nickname. Get a better nickname. It'd be better it's... to like, make a portmanteau and at least call him Dingsy because then it's a little bit, a little bit interested to what's going on there. Yeah, um, mix it up a little bit. Do something. <laughs> I mean, something funny here for listeners is for, for like 15 years on Xbox and Discord on computer and stuff, my username was will.com, spelt with spout like out properly so will d-o-t-c-o-m capital w-d-n-c and i started jokingly referring to myself about 10 years ago as dot com when we were playing and then it got even more short and i'd call myself the dc kind of tongue-in-cheek like taking the piss all the time um but it became like a running joke between me and my kind of group of friends is that it was a nickname i had given myself and that no one used <laughs> um but it was still a nickname people kind of openly acknowledged was there and then sometimes on my birthday they'll say happy birthday dc and they'll give me give me it for that one day of the year so they're talking are you we we have the same friends we do yeah i'm, I'm um, talking like they're not I, your friends <laughs> we, we we have a friend whose initials are dc yes we do i thought they've all been talking about him they were talking no, about man. you he he himself he he refers to himself as the original dc <laughs> <laughs> um but you know there's a couple of dcs to go around but there I've you go misunderstanding so many conversations <laughs> um martin's line about um his rumor well not a rumor his offense to Artie was saying his wife had a gigantic rear end very offensive from Martin here and Daphne's Daphne's reaction is kind of like mine it, it, there's not really a laugh track after he says she's got this gigantic rear end so it kind of sits out there awkwardly and offensively and weirdly reminded me of a tweet that I saw the other day which was like why do all the moms in Pixar films have an ass like a dump truck <laughs> just so offensive and horrible but also hilarious because Disney and Pixar obviously draw their characters in very specific ways and it's no accident that they you know they make their mothers voluptuous goddesses to quote <laughs> to quote Nars um, but yeah I mean that's another ass talk for this episode do you I really like Martin in this scene I, I think the way he delivers the bit about Boohoo Crane. I mean, it's okay, it's a bad nickname, but the way he delivers it and the sort of the way, you know, well, I wasn't crying. I, I got some pretzel salt in my eye. It's <laughs> it's so, he does it so well, that whole, you know, manly facade and, and things like that. He does it. I really, really like Martin in this episode. And I think we see a real 
a bit of a growth in him in his relationship, you know, with Arte. Um, yeah, just him as a person, like how he deals with like grudges and, and past grievances. I think it's it's good to see that. And also, I actually wrote down, um, I love John Mahoney's smile because we see him smile quite a bit, especially towards the end of the episode. Yeah, such a lovely smile. Yeah, it's full, it full of warmth, isn't it? It's really, really warm. Um, I completely agree, and we really see that when he's speaking to Artie. I mean, there's a great bit, obviously, the running theme of this episode is Artie has to have the last word, and that's obviously why it's got a really kind of beautiful ending. Do you have to have the last word, Key? How are you in kind of arguments? Is this something you're pretty pent up on? I mean, you don't get into that many arguments. You're a pretty placid dude, but, you know, are you someone who has to have the last word? Um, not really. Mm. Um... You're content I'm, to throw I, out your insults and just leave them stewing. <laughs> pretty much. I'm I'm probably more likely just to like shut up and like just sit in silence than I am to get the last <laughs> word. I'll just even completely just, shut down. <laughs> I'll even just sit there, yeah, whatever. And yeah, um, whatever. and then not say anything else. Mm. Or depending on the context, I'll just walk away. I'm like, well, I'm off. See you later. I've had enough. Um yeah. that's fair enough. That's fair. I, I'm I think I'm like that. I think I used to be. I'd have to have the last word. I mean, I, I, we all grow up. We all mature. I think I was a pretty. I think I had some pretty stupid traits when I was a teenager, a cocky teenager. Probably like always thought I was right and had to have the last word. And I've, I've mellowed out a lot since then. See, you. I do not remember you like that at all. I remember you always being mellow. That's very kind. Um, but maybe I don't know. I was always mellow with you, because I've never ever had any reason to like have a say a bad word about you. We've never <laughs> ever fallen out in any capacity. Um, touch wood. I don't attempt fate. <laughs> um but yeah there you go so it's um i feel like i used to be like that and a lot of the you know people in my family are like that so it's you know it's one of those things i like the way in this scene they make the call um the mechanic the guy who fraser speaks to on the phone i like the way they turn it into the mechanic so that at least what fraser said makes partial sense so we have this moment where he picks up the phone he says oh i'm sorry i'm sure you did everything you could yeah blah blah blah, blah. and obviously he wants martin to think it's about arty and i always i always as i was watching this scene i was like how are they going to explain that because why would he be speaking like that to someone on the phone they'd be panicking but it's kind of clever that they made it the mechanic i think in some ways yeah and it works it makes sense in the context of a conversation you can tell what phrase is doing and how he's managed to work it in so it does it works for me i quite like it Mm. Just before that, I absolutely loved a little bit between Daphne and Martin. The way that she thinks she's manipulating him and, and how she's <laughs> been so clever and, <laughs> and the psychology. And then I did love, I, I love John Mahoney's delivery of, I'm going to march right down that hospital, but I'm a big stuffed animal and then throw my arms around him and never, ever let go. And then you could just then, see <laughs> Daphne's face change. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the delivery and the raspberry is amazing from John Mahoney. I absolutely that's probably my favourite line in this whole episode. Just uh, done so well. Love it. it. Yeah, that noise alone, I think, is is good enough to be a line of the episode. I think it's so so good. Right, so that he does eventually go back down to see Artie in the hospital with Frage. Frage's face at the picture of Loretta is priceless. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand how unless the picture is of her ass because. <laughs> If it's just a normal picture of her front on, which is probably what it would be because it's a photograph in a frame, or if it's the two of them, how can Frasier see her backside? So it's a funny gag, but logistically doesn't quite work if you if you break it down, I think. Yeah, I mean, unless... I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of want to... I'm actually quite sad we don't ever... I don't... I think I'm right in saying we don't ever see Artie again. I don't think we um, do. I'd quite like to have seen Artie and Loretta. Um, Damn, mate. I, I don't know if that means that Artie does pass away at the end of this episode, but... um, That's actually really, really sad. I hadn't thought about that. It is really, that's gonna, really sad. That's going to bum me out big time. It's, 
that's what really kind of depresses me about this scene because it does feel a bit like that as much as they're making plans for the future i feel the subtext is that they're saying goodbye and i think you were meant to believe that's the subtext yeah so it is it's quite a quite emotional ending i think it um, is for sure um in terms of episodes we've had up to this point as well um probably one of the most hard hitting because it's there's not much there's not much frivolity and kind of just stupid unnecessary jokes in this episode you know we have like the rumors that yeah, Brian's song and you know loretta's ass but you know beyond beyond loretta's ass um but beyond that you know it's it's pretty pretty down home and realistic isn't it the the maris element is the is a joke element and then Big the arty and the arty and marcy story is very much played very i think quite seriously generally other than you know the raspberry the jokes about the arse things like that Mm. Um, but I do quite like as well when he's in the middle of this quite emotional moment you get Niles and the nurse with him saying how many lovely chocolates I work the night shift and this lovely watch and this lovely watch <laughs> I love the way he says that I also I don't know what I love the way he actually hands it to her because he's got so many in his hand and it's quite clearly uncomfortable for him to move his wrist <laughs> he says and this lovely watch I, mean, I was going to ask you I've got one more bullet point but I'll get to that gift basket thing just generally comment about the warmth and how sweet Martin and Artie are here in this moment. And just the way Martin says things like, you know, oh, we'll sink that damn thing yet about the boat and the making plans to go fishing. Really actually hard hitting. Um, this episode really does kind of, it does hit the nail on the head in terms of pulling the heartstrings. But about the gift baskets, have you ever owned or been given a gift basket? I think these are more of an American thing than they are in the UK as well. But I always get a kick out of them. I think they're pretty cool. I've never had one, uh, never given one. Um... Did you give one as a gift? Um... No, I suppose what what's in it? I don't. Uh, if you're gonna give me one, I'd like maybe a box set of The Simpsons of your choosing. I was gonna say, do you want all thirty seasons? <laughs> uh, you know, a tube of green Pringles, sour cream and onion Pringles. That'd be perfect, please. A couple of you know, a couple of bottles of beer. So I hope you're making a note. Of do this that. That's your Christmas I'm, present. I'll write it down. Yeah. In, like, you know, a month and a bit. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I'm only joking. Um, but yeah, so gift baskets, they're pretty pretty good gift. I'll be interested to know if, if listeners have ever given one or received one because they tend to be wildly different in the content some of them are just a bit like here's some sweets and then another one it's like you know here's tiffany earrings and this lovely watch <laughs> so <laughs> they really do uh they really do vary the kind of resolution this episode is martin and, and leaving Artie's room and the fact that he goes back and gives Artie the last word the way that he opens the door and that's not even a joke. It just Artie just says, see you, Martin. It's just such a perfect ending. I love it. And it, it, I say, it is really, it does tug on the heartstrings because I, I love the way Martin's eyes sort of light up as he says to him, you know, when you get out, you're, you're not getting yeah. the last word on this. And Artie's saying, you know, if. And just the way, you know, he opens the door. And, and it's different delivery as well from Artie at the end. Whereas, you know, it's take care, stay loose. The last one is like, see you, Artie. Like a bit, yeah. like, it is just a bit softer, a bit more genuine. And I, I Lincoln Kilpatrick played the role of Artie. I'd, I'd really like to have seen him come back. Um, maybe it would have taken something away from this episode had we known he was going to come back. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is a really, really touching episode. I think it's a really, really sweet, bittersweet in a way moment because you do think, oh, they, they lost all these years together. They could have been together and spending time. And yeah, it, it's a really beautiful ending. And, and credit to John Mahoney because he, he delivers it beautifully. And, and that transition from someone who absolutely hates the guy to someone who's you know, smiling softly to himself as he opens the door so they can say goodbye to each other. You never question it, I don't think at all. So 
that's credit to the writing, but to, to John Mahoney's delivery of this this episode, I think. I completely agree. It's a really good summary. Um, I, I love the fact that this is a Martin episode. I like the way in sitcoms, and especially Frasier, and I think of The Simpsons with this, you can often pick, oh, this is that person's episode. It doesn't necessarily mean they're the best character in it or they're the best actor or whatever. But, you know, normally each episode is centered around someone. And so I, I like the way we can kind of, you, you could probably go through all 260 you know, so episodes of Frasier and put all of the, quote, Martin episodes into a list and the Niles episodes into a list. And just, yeah, there's something quite satisfying about that. And this is, as, as Martin episodes go, this is this is a strong one. I think it's 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 strong in terms of, like, the, the empathy it creates. It's not like a laugh-a-minute episode, but it's uh, it's a funny one. Um, on that note, Key, is this in your top 10? It is not in my top 10, but it is a really strong episode. It's one actually I, I enjoyed more than I remember enjoying, actually. I, when when it came up last week, I thought, yeah, it's all right, it's decent. Watching it again this morning, it, I think it's one of those, the older you get, the more you appreciate it. Um, mm. So, really good episode, strong episode for me. Yeah, completely agree. Um, it is a very sweet episode. And um, yeah, I actually couldn't remember having seen this one as much as I have others around it. I feel like this episode is probably one of the least viewed for me. Um, so it felt a little bit fresher going back to it this time, um, which is pretty good. Uh, I've got to ask you your best actor pick this week. Okay, For me, I think John Mahoney gives an absolutely fantastic delivery, as he so often does. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's got to be, be John Mahoney. I am with you there, though it was a kind of toss-up between him and Niles. I think Niles has some really good moments in this episode because of the B-plot. Um, but yeah, every reason you've said, don't need to tread over old territory because you gave it a very good summary. Um, in, yeah. In terms of our actor picks so far, again, I still haven't rounded up the first season and a half. That Neither have I, none of us. We haven't done that yet. We will get um, to it. So I mean, maybe we should do it on air or something at the end of the season. I, just... think, it, I think we should do that, yeah, at the end of the season recap, and then at least it's kind of people can listen to our thought process in terms of the ones we have done um so actually incredibly similar so we've put lilith once Roz once we both each what both got one each from each of us uh we've both put fraser six times the only difference is i've put niles three times martin four you've done niles on four times and martin on three so that's the only yeah. only difference only thing splitting it there so pretty pretty tasty thank you for that tally key um the title bearing a grudge couldn't find anything on this other than it just being a general idiom um didn't know if you had anything for this i just know it's like you know burying a grudge uh burying the hatchet sort of thing um yeah there's a common phrase yeah i think so i don't think don't there's think a there's literary a... reference there or i always get sad like... when there isn't i want literary references for every episode title I'm a, I'm a simple man i like my title animations and i like my literary references um i like my literary references flaming <laughs> <laughs> i like my beer cold my tv loud and my homosexuals flaming. Um, I've got to ask Key Kennedy Burling. I'm on the ground. What did he make of this episode? Kennedy Burling is currently just calling old friends, getting wow. back in touch, and, and making the most of the time they have. Making some fishing trips. Has Kennedy Burling seen Brian's song? Do you know? Kennedy Burling loves Brian's song. I think he might be his favourite movie of all time. To wow. Be honest. We should really have got him on to talk about Brian's song, but maybe another day. Thank you, Key. No further explanations needed. That just leaves. Whose crane is it anyway? Before we go over to listen mail are you ready for that this week i am indeed excellent because i am not um i need (laughs) to go and find your quote as has become customary in the episodes i forget this i'm going to leave it in and not edit this out actually i might depending on how long it takes i have got one key okay okay so this week your question your quote for who's crazy anyway is simply 
thank you, Doctor. Who says thank you, Doctor? Only one oh. person says it in this episode. Only one person. And says only it. once as well. I've checked on KSEL. Obviously, as we've said, KSEL can be incorrect, but if I'm going off KSEL and key is two, we're kind of singing from the same hymn sheet. So Oh God. Um I mean the obvious answer is Niles, isn't it? Like, that Niles and the only time I can think of that a doctor is actually in the episode is when you see Mrs. Patterson in the in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a doctor stops and he go he must say thank you, Doctor, then because then he talks about how he's a great surgeon and things like that. So I'm gonna say Niles to that doctor. I am afraid you are correct, Kay. Yes. And you got the context completely spot on. Oh, Dr. Crane. Dr. Sternstein, excuse me for a moment. Your wife is still in recovery, but everything went splendidly, so you can see her in a few minutes. Thank you, Doctor. I picked that kind of foolishly, actually, because I've forgotten there's no doctor in Artie's room, and I thought you might think, or maybe Martin says it, or Fraser says it, when like they're they're excused to speak to Artie alone or something. But I forgot that doesn't happen. So, well played, Gate. Well deduced. That just leaves Listener Mail. So we hop over to Listener Mail. Yes, we shall. Excellent. Right, we're hopping, just... we're jumping, but we're not we're talking today. <laughs> <laughs> we're hopping all over the place. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, so first comment from Reclia. Um, are the Tomb Raider in the freezer moment? I feel like every gamer who grew up in the 90s must know that iconic moment by the way about a year or so ago there was a tomb raider concert where they played many iconic tracks during one they played footage of lara in the house where she locks the butler in the freezer i can try to find it if you want and just to double check i'm right if you do manage to find time to read out comments for part two here's mine fraser gaming sex with that bed was absolutely hilarious i love later on when niles is taking the piss out of lilith because she wants to get married in las vegas ironic because niles does that with daphne much later my thoughts on burying a grudge another classic moment with Niles admiring Daphne he's so adorable the way he looks at her as he describes her beauty the rest of the episode is great despite it focusing largely on a dispute between friends in only two locations I wasn't bored I was entertained great stuff about the Tomb Raider Fraser thing there way more than I expected anyone listening to to kind of latch on to so thank you for that Reckley always pleased to hear I wasn't alone in locking that butler away I'm just going to read two um, comments here because one is very very short so um... do it Sydney Aspasket just says, uh, <laughs> lo- looking forward to listening to this as always. So God bless you, thank Mr. Aspasket. Thank you very much, Mr. Aspasket. And then Evening Jellyfish says, um, I always like the opening question you ask each other. It's never what I'd expect. My husband and I consider going to Tahiti and Bora Bora for our honeymoon, mostly because of Fraser. But hubba, it's hubba. a bit too spendy at this moment. Maybe we'll go there for a big anniversary. How fun would it be to have, go on every vacation featured in Fraser? Canada, Sun Valley, a cruise, somewhere in the Caribbean. And maybe we can throw in mentions like Lake Shalan. Man, um, that'd be so good. Really great comment. One thing I, I've noted is that in your comments, Will, you refer to Bora Bora as Boro Boro. Yeah, I um, know. I kept which, spelling it wrong everywhere. And Hamish hey, has told me. That's, so. I, I associate that with Middlesbrough. Yeah, so do I. And I didn't realize I was doing it until, until Hamish said. So I've I've corrected the official podcast feed to have it as Bora Bora. Um, so you'll have to forgive me there. Um, I, um, I just love the idea of you saying it's Go to Teesside for our honeymoon. Go to Middlesbrough. <laughs> I, uh, I I love the fact that yeah, the the, the kind of drawn on the uh, opening question I ask you because it's never really what I or you expect either. I try to pick something as tangential to the episode as possible so that it kind of gives chance for Key to you know have a little bit of a monologue, a little bit of a behind the scenes in Key's life. Um, but also like to keep it 
something you wouldn't expect from that episode. So, like, if it's about death, I don't want to ask you about death. Though I did do that pretty early doors. <laughs> I told them why you're emphasizing the word death. death. <laughs> it's everywhere. Death oh. is inevitable. <laughs> pet, pet paradise. <laughs> death is inevitable. Um, the time comes to flush that beloved goldfish away. <laughs> if you have lost or are planning to lose. To lose. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, but yes, thank you for that comment, even jellyfish. Really cracking stuff. Cam Winston, Hamish, lovely job, lads. I like the fact he seems like he psychs himself up before Trivia Corner now that I have him on the ropes. And don't do. worry, no more trick questions. On that note, we'll post my very good questions later this week, which of course he did because I read them out. Good episode, lads. You mentioned it may be one of the weakest. I don't think so. I like the way they all flow and the tangents you two go on are brilliant. That's very kind, Hamish. I have a feeling we we, we mentioned we were referring to the episode of Frasier itself as being weak rather than the episode of the podcast. But by all means, it could have been referred to the podcast. So it's nice to have your uh, your validation there. Exotic getaways I can relate to a little bit. I've been to Fiji a couple of times, which is an amazing island country in the South Pacific. Same idea as Bora Bora, if you can picture that, only without the Lilith. There's a few lovely spots in New Zealand I've been to, such as Queenstown and Wanaka. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Gorgeous snow-capped mountains, mountain towns in the South Island. Anyway, up the villa, peace, hammy cracking questions Hamish. love it look i love the fact there's a villa fan in new zealand now i know it's, it's we've really spread beautiful. the love <laughs> um so next up uh ludicrous popping jay um don't want to sound like a broken record but great episode guys getting better every week so i agree about madeline i never bought her as a love interest for fraser compared to the other bombshells he dates over the series too fast and somewhat forced in my opinion also joe beth williams is an attractive woman but i don't believe she's the type to get fraser so hot and bothered in the booth <laughs> could maybe see it if madeline was a kierkegaard reading souffle baking haiku writing german speaking cellist like claire but claire she is not wow loved i genuinely i think i love everything about that paragraph actually That's like, just, it's just extreme, extremely well written it's a really beautiful piece of writing. I love that. Something tangential about the Degas family that bothered me. Madame Degas does not look old enough to be able to chide her husband for running the other way in the war. She looks about 45 at the oldest. Monsieur Degas looks old enough to have been in the war, but his wife? Nah. The <laughs> daughter also looked way too young if um, Madame and uh, Monsieur and Madame Degas are supposed to be the same age. Maybe in a weak moment, he told his younger wife about the moment his courage failed him years ago. <laughs> the quote about Martin losing all sexual feeling comes from a late series episode where Daphne's mom is trying to get it with Martin while they're on a boat ride and Martin is trying to fend her off. I've never quite forgiven old Gert for scaring off Cora Winston for pursuing Marty. I always thought they were a great couple. As always, great job. Um, you give me something fun to look forward to every weekend. So really great comment there. Thank you so much. Really great. And great for IDing that quote as well. Um, I think Steve got to that as well um, a little bit later on after I'd already seen this, unfortunately. But yeah, we, that was referencing a previous listener mail where someone was quoting sexual feeling in the, yeah, in that area. Um, and it is, of course, on that episode. Cora Winston's actually a really popular love interest for Martin, especially on Fraser Fan Club. A lot of people wanted that to be the relationship that works. And I can see why I think she's one of the best matches for him. Quite a long comment here from Argle Gargle. Google Goop. Sorry, I got like indigestion <laughs> just reading the username. Um, thanks, Will and Keith, doing a wonderful job in putting this podcast together. I can tell it's a real labour of love. Randomly listened to one episode just a few weeks ago and have been hooked ever since. I finally caught up with all the episodes now, so I just have to get used to waiting. 
a whole week to catch a new episode. There's something different to like about all the Fraser fan podcasts commentaries out there, but I especially love listening to the friendly and genuine banter between you guys while commenting on each episode. Even makes me okay with the occasional deviation to topics that I and presumably the Crane boys too care absolutely nothing about, like football. At least from listening, I've learned more about Aston Villa rather than the boring usual suspects like Man U, Liverpool, Arsenal, which it seems like four out of five guys here in Singapore are fans of. One, amazing that, you know, a listener from Singapore, but two, that Aston Villa has made it over there as well. Um, yeah, I like to think we're really flying the flag here for the club. <laughs> we really did. We really did. So they've also put, was also delighted to hear you talk about both the Vicar of Dibley and a lower low, two Britcoms that like Frazier somehow made it all the way to free-to-air TV here decades ago. Never knew as well that Emma Chambers... Alice Horton has passed on. Sad to hear that. Wonder if you've ever caught keeping up appearances. Now, this is amazing because I love keeping up appearances. I'm fairly certain Key does as well. Um, so it's pronounced bouquet. Bouquet. <laughs> but um, a lot of the listeners to this episode, including Hamish Quizmaster, Steve, um, John Beale, Preston, Pauling from the Fraser Project, we all love keeping up appearances. And it makes quite, there's quite a few references to that made on Fraser Fan Club as well, um, which is just fantastic. So, love that you've brought that up because i think there's a lot of overlap as you say um and then finally they mentioned about my french accent faux pas um saying that they learned french in school for five years partly from native french speakers and also found the accents of the dagar family somewhat odd so i'm glad i wasn't the only person to uh to to, to think that but yeah generally some great comments there about tvs and the french accents and thanks again guys and keep up the good work so thank you very much Argle, gargle, goop, goop. Um, so K- Kalanijan uh, says, great episode, you guys. This episode always reminded me of the office episode, the chair model, just like you mentioned. Hey. Here we go. See, we're all in the same wavelength. Love it. There you go, man. Um, the weird sudden lust feels very similar. I agree with all your thoughts on Madeline. It's not that she's not that pretty, but it's more Frasier's intense attraction towards her and her place in the magazine that surprises me. As you were talking about it, I immediately thought about People's Sexiest Man Slash Woman Alive magazine. There have been plenty of people featured in, in there that if they weren't famous, probably wouldn't be considered as attractive. Status and money can seemingly do a lot for your perceived looks. That's <laughs> very mm. true. Very good. Um, very true. Your little French accent snafu cracked me up, but don't be embarrassed. <laughs> My aunt once said to our family that Christian Bale's British accent sounds so fake. So you are not alone. Um, (laughs) This is a bit of an aside, but after making that comment about Christian Bale, I immediately did a little search to make sure we had been right to make fun of my aunt. Turns out his accent is pretty confusing. And I now feel bad that my family gives us so much grief. He uses different accents in different interviews, uh, sometimes just going straight up American. I didn't watch too many clips, but he did a Golden Globe speech, which seems to be his normal accent slash voice. So, really I great comment. I think originally from Wales, so Welsh is the original accent, but then there's just normal English, and then obviously a lot of American as well, so he's got a real hybrid going on, for sure. But, I mean, I love Christian Bale. But great comment from Cal, anyway. Really, really great. Um, Swampy, Swampy, Swamp, Swampy Pa. Uh, sorry, sorry, Swampy Pa. Swampy Pa. Swampy Pa. There you go. I like that. That sounds cute. Where is Swampy Pa? Swampy Pa sounds weird. Um, great. Looking forward <laughs> to listening to it. Great podcast. Keep up the great work, guys. Thanks for bringing joy to so many. Just what a lovely short comment. Thank you very much. Swampy Pa or Swampy Pa. Um, and then finally, Key, the fun bits from Mischief Night to see us through. Yeah. So uh, he says the fun bits. Um, Artie says, just be glad you didn't take it in the butt, referring to the bullet. 
um, could have caused brain damage, which, if our working theory is correct, I love the fact we've got a whole group working, <laughs> working theory on Martin's ass. <laughs> um, it's kind of where Martin did get shot. It is. Mischief um, also says, as, as you alluded to earlier on in the podcast, um, Frazier claims to have spent most of his life in Seattle, which, while I'm sure true enough for him to at least offer street directions, I'm not so sure. Since Harvard is in Massachusetts near Boston, and he's been um, there for at least nine of 11 seasons of Cheers, plus however long he was at Oxford, it seems to me that at best he's been in Seattle half his life. There's an all, another example of the show saying station manager as opposed to Tom Duran as well. Which oh, is a, I missed that. Yeah, interesting point, isn't it? Um, and then finally, he says, Key said two episodes ago that he fills the second half of season two is gold, and I agree. I have the entire series on DVD, and to me, the fourth and final disc of season two has to be the best roster of episodes on one DVD in the entire series. And if I was only able to take one disc with me to a desert island, that's the one I'd pick. That's actually wow. a really interesting point. I'd quite like to know from our listeners, if you have them on DVD and if that's how you watch them, do you have specifically one DVD out of all 10 seasons with, you know, three, four, five episodes on is like your number one DVD pick? Yeah, I really love that comment because I went through my own collection last night to see what my disc would be. I This doesn't have any bearing... Doesn't, actually, I don't think it has any bearing really on my top 10 in, in many respects. So this isn't a spoiler. Um, I think season five, disc one, would maybe be up there. That's got the 1000th show, Halloween, the kid, um, the gift horse, Fraser's imaginary friend on. And season seven, disc two, which has got Asar is born, Road Warrior, the fight before Christmas, the apparent trap. Quite just, I think, I think, yeah, season seven, disc two, or season five, disc one would probably be my pick. I, I think last disc of season one would definitely be oh, up there for me. Oh, God, that's, that's I mean, so just... strong. Six episodes, give him the chair, 40-something, travels with Martin, author, author, Frasier Crane's day off, my coffee with Niles. That is ludicrously good. That's a ridiculously strong yeah. little run, isn't it? That's so, really, really so strong. Good. Um, but yeah, please write in with your, your discs. Um, we'd love to hear them. Sorry, were you going to say something then? I feel like I cut you off. Oh, no, I think I was done. Cracking. Um, brilliant. So thank you, everyone, who... Uh, wrote in this week lovely to read out your comments as usual next week we'll be looking at seat of power so i'm trying i'm actually will i'm struggling to remember which one that is which... i'm I, it's the one where uh billy kreese all the kreese brothers come to fix the toilet oh um, yes, yeah i'm yeah. just confused as to p whether i should put a call out for trivia in this episode because of the fact we're back to front or just leave it to the reddit because um, i don't know it's confusing I'll okay so the time seat of this... power trivia in the post for yeah the um, time this goes live the next episode we will be recording is the what after seat of power well i think we do a shout out not for seat of power but for episode 12 does that make for sense in the Ros in the dark house yeah i think that yeah. makes sense um so by the time you listen to this episode yeah we should now have time for trivia and questions for Ros in the dark house unless you've seen otherwise on social media uh, on reddit it will become apparent what we need um this is the fact because we we recorded two last week so we're basically like slightly askew on our schedule now but it should be fine we record every saturday and then publish on a sunday but i think that's everything key so next week's theater power um other than that i've been will i've been key and thank you very much for listening to we're listening hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs oh my and maybe i seem a bit confused yeah maybe but i got you pegs but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.